Hello and welcome to the Leadership Institute's Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast, recorded live every first Wednesday of the month here at the Stephen P.J. Wood Building in Arlington, Virginia. Our first guest is none other than Vice President Mike Pence. Vice President Pence gave this speech in March 2006 while he was still a representative of Indiana's 6th Congressional District. So get some cream cheese on your bagel and take a sip of your coffee because you're listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. Are you looking to launch your career? Do you want to gain real, professional experience while sharpening your media skills? Then apply today to be a studio's intern here at the Leadership Institute. As a studio's intern, you'll master Adobe programs and get behind-the-scenes access to media professions across the board. Just go to leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. That's leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. Thank you, Christy. Thank you to the Leadership Institute, to Steve and, uh, and uh, Rachel. It is a... It is uh, wonderful knowing the international reach of the Leadership Institute that they would find two Hoosiers to welcome me this morning. Uh, and uh, Helen, I am uh, I'm just really honored to be here. I, uh, as I was sharing over uh, coffee this morning, I am the beneficiary of the Leadership Institute's contribution to this country. My very first campaign manager in 1988 uh, had graduated one month before I hired him uh, from the Leadership Institute here in the wind tunnel of Clarendon, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we lost that campaign. But I'm not holding that against you. Uh, that was mostly my fault. But he was a—he demonstrated to me what uh, what an extraordinary value there is uh, when when young men and women enter the political process from the framework of principle, uh, and will bring that extraordinary energy and enthusiasm uh, that we only seem to get from the young. Uh, to the American political uh, process. But Helen, thank you for uh, joining us this morning. Give uh, uh, our world traveler our warmest regards. Morton is a, a mentor and a friend and a real inspiration uh, to me. And, uh, and uh, having been married 21 years, I actually know where he gets all that uh, inspiration. So thank you for your leadership as well. Good morning, everyone. I. Uh, I was just blown away uh, to come to the Leadership Institute this morning. Literally got out of my car and was almost blown <laughs> away. Uh, I, I mean, really, that rushing wind going by the front of the building, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, uh, really, uh, my hair was wet when I got out of the car. And I, uh, it reminded me, I was, I was mentioning to Chris here at the table, it reminded me of of when you're walking into the House of Representatives and the sheer volume of hot air that is in there comes exploding out of the doors. It's very much like a domed stadium if you're a sports fan. It's just, it's just great to be here. And I, uh, uh, I want to share with you a couple of serious thoughts, if I can, uh, this morning about where we are as a movement. I had the privilege of speaking at CPAC a few weeks ago. I'm speaking in Colorado this weekend. And uh, I want to share with you just a few musings, and then maybe, as Steve and I talk, maybe a little time uh, for questions before uh, I have to run off to the Republican caucus meeting. Uh, I do want to acknowledge that uh, today I'm, I'm the warm-up act for your next wake-up breakfast, whose speaker has actually slipped into the room, uh, Dr. William Dennis, another Hoosier of great note, 
famously of the Liberty Fund, highly published, a great conservative mind will be addressing you in a month, and uh, came over to, uh, I thought, I said, wow, Bill, you're a Hoosier, your father was in Congress in my seat before me, that you would fly across the country uh, just to hear me speak this morning. Uh, and he said, uh, actually, I just came to check out the venue. Uh, but uh, Bill Dennis's father, David W. Dennis, uh, uh, was a member of Congress from Indiana of extraordinary principle and conviction. And they, they don't fall too far from the tree in that family. And I know that Dr. Dennis is going to be a real uh, treat for you next week. Great to see you, Bill. Good to see you, Mike. You're the same sort of guy. Well, it's high praise. You know, when we look at the Republican movement today in Washington, D.C., uh, a movement that was really minted about 25 years ago, right now. I mean, it was just a matter of maybe six weeks ago, uh, 25 years ago, uh, that a uh, Midwesterner who, okay, slummed in California for a while, uh, raised his right hand and took the oath of office and brought the principles of traditional American conservatism in the mainstream of American politics. Uh, Ronald Reagan's, I think, third national victory would be the 1994 elections that saw those same values uh, reach their ascendancy on Capitol Hill. But as we stand in 2006, I think it is incumbent on us, a quarter of a century past the beginning of that movement, to ask where we are in that movement today. And to ask whether or not there ought to be some course corrections, because I offer that there is much need of that. But let's, let's talk for a second, if we can, about what we have accomplished. It is, a, it, is, it is extraordinary when one thinks of what, even in the last five years, United Republican Governance in Washington, D.C. has affected. We've, uh, we have managed uh, in, in, uh, in many ways to deliver on the promises the American people voted for in, in electing that actor in, in electing this majority. And there's no diminishing those things. We dismantled and scattered a network of terrorists within our country in the wake of the worst uh, single day attack in our nation's history. We've liberated millions of people across the globe from oppressive and murderous regimes. And the American soldiers brought the promise of democracy and freedom to millions who have never known it. And make no mistake about it, uh, I just spoke to Howie who is with the Army here in town may be traveling with me. I'll be making my fourth official trip uh, to Iraq. Men and women, we are winning the war in Iraq. Whatever else you think about, uh, it looks on television. Uh, the men and women in uniform are fighting day in and day out. And freedom is winning uh, in Iraq. And the, our movement gets credit for that. We cut taxes again and again. President Bush has put the brakes on leftist activist courts with, with sound appointments at every level of the federal judiciary, including the appointment of two strict constructionist justices to the Supreme Court of the United States. And we have ended the horror of partial birth abortion. These are not insignificant accomplishments. And we do well to reflect on them and remind ourselves of them. And, uh, and and, uh, and take appropriate pride in that. But I want to ask this morning, what about the other promises central to our movement and our nation's values and liberty? The promises that said, 
we'll cut spending. We'll reduce the size and scope of government. Um, on these promises, I would offer that it's been, in the last five years at least, all sizzle and no steak. I likened it CPAC a few years ago to the conservative movement to a tall ship with a proud captain and an accomplished crew that was veering ever so slightly off course into the dangerous and uncharted waters of big government republicanism. And I still believe that today. Staying in that metaphor, I just can't help but feel the ship's galley just keeps sending up giant platters of pork and platitudes and promises and never-ending pleas for patience to the passengers on the deck. You hear it here at the Leadership Institute, and those of you who are leaders in this movement longer than I've been involved uh, hear the complaints. We hear we're we hear we're working on it. Uh, we're told uh, we're told we've uh, we, we can't do it without a majority. Uh, and when we see the fact that even though this Congress has 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 spent more than twice what even this administration has requested for in each of the last five years more than $380 billion more than the president has requested to be spent, we're being told, hang on, we'll get to that. One of my mentors, former Majority Leader Dick Armey, probably said it best in his last year of Congress. He said, quote, we do the things we ought not do so we can be reelected to do the things we ought to do but never get around to. I want to say this morning from my heart, we are not as a party bereft of ideas, we are bereft of will. The will to even consider taking on the challenges of an $8 trillion national debt and the real scandal in Washington, D.C., which is runaway federal spending with hard choices and hard decisions that derive from a conservative heart. Whether it's called compassionate conservatism or big government republicanism, I say with conviction, after years of record increases in federal spending, more government is now the accepted Republican philosophy in Washington, D.C. Men and women, we are in danger of becoming the party of big government. For the sake of our party, for the sake of our nation, we must say here and now to all who would lead our party in this new century, the era of big Republican government is over. And you can applaud if you agree with that. Are you interested in running for office? Want to work on a campaign? At the Leadership Institute, it is our mission to increase the effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. We offer over 40 different trainings, including campaign management school, on-camera TV trainings, and writing workshops. If you want to make a difference in public policy, visit leadershipinstitute.org. That's leadershipinstitute.org. say this morning, if we're still on the wrong course, it's because we choose to be. Either because we truly don't see the urgency of a course correction or because we lack the will to get it done. And let me say, the American people get it. Uh, I, it's the politicians who really don't. You know, I'm back home in Muncie, Indiana. I, folks see the disconnect between what we've been saying and what we've been doing. Far too many of the things we said we'd do if we ever got control, we, we haven't gotten around to doing. 
You just heard Christy talk about the ROC's agenda we published yesterday. These are basic, mainstream, common sense, conservative ideas. And yet they're revolutionary in Washington, D.C. Uh, not just making tax cuts permanent, but tax simplification. In, in the form of either the fair tax or the, the army shall be flat tax. These are, these are common sense, mainstream ideas at home, but they're radical in Washington, D.C. Passing a constitutional amendment that says that marriage is defined forever as the union between a man and a woman. That's, that's a mainstream idea in Muncie, Indiana, but in Washington, D.C. Oh, don't bring that up. People get it. And also, there's no escaping the fact that some of the things we have done look more like the work of a Democratic Congress. I mean, since I arrived in Washington, D.C., that we've seen the creation of the first new entitlement in 40 years. We've seen a, more than a 50% increase in the Federal Department of Education and national testing in the fourth and eighth grades. Of, of the like that, that a Republican majority rejected from President Clinton time and time again in the 1990s, we embraced in No Child Left Behind record deficits and an $8 trillion national debt. Not to mention a pork barrel culture that saw more than 15,000 earmarks in the last Congress alone, including public funding for the indoor rainforest in Iowa, a weather center for Poxitoni Phil, the groundhog, in Pennsylvania, and of course the bridge to nowhere. Our, our ship is running out of fuel, our crew is running out of patience, and men and women, we're running out of time. Every day, I would submit, we sail further into the dangerous waters of big government republicanism. Uh, we run the risk of finding ourselves someday shipwrecked on the road to serfdom. If we have to look over our shoulder to see the shining city on the hill, we are sailing the wrong way. Now, I know some of you, not Morton, not Helen, but some of you want to abandon ship and uh, head for the lifeboats and let the ship hit the unforgiving reefs of the midterm elections. That'll show them. But anyone who thinks a Democrat Congress would do any better on any of these issues has, as we say back in Columbus, Indiana, another think coming. <laughs> in my five years in Congress, despite the fact that I was one of those guys in there fighting big government education funding and big government entitlements, well, I'll tell you what, I have never seen the Democrats bring a single bill to the floor that was ever, that wasn't bigger and more intrusive and more expensive than anything we ever thought of on our worst day. I mean, I was one of 25 members of Congress who held out for three hours to vote against the creation of a new entitlement. Democrats are all running around the country saying, yeah, we, we voted against that too. Terrible bill, terrible. Well, the only one, uh, us conservatives voted against it because it was too big added $8 trillion in unfunded obligations to the national government in the next 30 years. The Democrats voted against it because it was too small. I mean, men and women, it's a... Uh, I mean, if, if you think Nancy Pelosi looks surprised ordinarily, uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine how surprised she would look the day they brought a bill that actually cut government spending. So look, the answer's not mutiny. It's, it's, it's time, not time to abandon ship. We just need a course correction. What do you do when you get a course correction? Well, you get your, you get your compass out first, and you figure out which way is true north. Now, conservatives know what true north is. Leadership Institute knows what true north is. You know, government governs least, governs best. Government should never do for a man what he can and should do for himself. As government expands, freedom contracts. 
And uh, conservatives know that societies are judged by how they deal with their most vulnerable, with the aged, the infirm, and the unborn. I mean, we can look at the compass, we know what's true, but it's not enough just to know what's true and talk about it at rallies and think tanks. It's time to put it into practice. Therefore, I say we come to another time for choosing. And I want to say particularly to the young people in the room, your generation faces uh, an age-old choice. It is a choice between limited government and tradition and this, what I call the, the siren song of the central planner, who says that big government is good government, if it's our government. It is one of the most pernicious lies of all human history. And our movement faces it today. We're really at a crossroads in America. Are we committed to the ideals of limited government, fiscal discipline, and traditional moral values or not? And if we are, we must act accordingly. And we've done it before. I open today with where I'll close and take any questions that you have for a few minutes. We, we've walked this path before. Some of you lived it. 25 years ago, when another son of the heartland came east with the ideals of our founders, we, we walked into years of prosperity and increased liberty and security and an affirmation of American values. It's almost as if Ronald Reagan's address to CPAC in 1975 was written for us this morning. Let me read some of those words. Quote, he said, quote, a, a political party cannot be all things to all people. It must represent certain fundamental beliefs which must not be compromised to political expediency or simply to swell its numbers. I do not believe I've proposed anything that is contrary to what has been considered Republican principle, he went on, and then he closed. It is at the same time the very basis of conservatism of which I speak. And it is time to reassert these principles and raise them into full view. And if there are those who cannot subscribe to these principles, then let them go their way. Close quote. President Reagan described not a big tent Republican Party. He spoke to an America where 20% of Americans identified themselves as Republicans. When he was done with that harsh message, 40% of the American people said they were Republicans. He showed us the path not just to a shining city on a hill, to a bright American future, but he showed us the path to a durable governing majority. And this is what I say to particularly the young talents and minds in the room. If you think there is a choice between leading from the basis of conservative principle and having a majority sufficient to govern, that is a false choice. The very career of Ronald Reagan, the very story of the conservative movement, the very story of the Leadership Institute and the impact of its thousands of graduates is a story about the success of principle in America. Because at the end of the day, it's like Lou said to me this morning when he slipped me a card. We are, in fact, as Lou coined, we are the common sense party. We are the party that, that, like as Thomas Paine did when he wrote a pamphlet during the American Revolution of the same title, we are the party that speaks not to Republican values, but to American values. 
I mean, I, I, I got a degree in American history, and so actually the greatest joy of my job is giving tours of the Capitol. It ain't really any day of the week you can find me. I, after I go beat up on leadership and go get beat up by the press, and I'm usually give a tour to eighth graders. I love it. Passionate about it. And I think there was a time in American history where the, these principles of limited government, the idea of America's place in the world as a beacon of freedom and hope and opportunity, a commitment to free market capitalism and economic freedom, and a commitment to traditional moral values, that these, these were what were the common denominators between the major parties in America. They argued along the margins, but, but both parties embraced what was in the Constitution, the vision of American governance, which as Ronald Reagan understood and articulated better than anyone else in my lifetime ever has or will, it was a vision of limited government in this document. That was common denominator stuff in American politics until somewhere around the New Deal. And the other party walked away from it. And they started down that road to serfdom. And they started down a road that, that departed from those American ideals. And so I, I want to leave you this morning with a challenge that we have work to do, men and women. We have challenges to face. But it will not take courage to do it. I, I've seen courage. I, I'm going back to look courage in the eye in Iraq this spring. No one, no one shoots at you if you're working in the conservative movement in a campaign out in Iowa. You know, there are no snipers in the, in, the, in the balcony in the House of Representatives. It does not take courage to do these things. It does, however, take will. And a will that is born of an understanding of the rightness of our cause. And also born of the understanding that we are the repository of the truly American ideals. And that if we do not forcefully advance these ideals of limited government, fiscal discipline, a strong defense, economic freedom, private property, and traditional moral values, that not only will those issues falter, but this experiment will falter. And so I leave you with that challenge. Rise to it. Understand your place in history. And thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. To listen to more breakfast, head over to the Leadership Institute YouTube channel. And to see who our next WWCB speaker is, visit our website at leadershipinstitute.org. The Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast is produced and edited by Alexander Chang with support from Tiffany Roberts and Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson. Executive produced by David Fenner and Morton Blackwell.